Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Shipe Sports Talk Show, our 20th episode. Thank you, everyone, for sticking around for 20 episodes. Woo-hoo. Join in studio by always, uh, producer Paul. How's it going? Going good. Join Viva Skype by always, Brad Lefty Cameron. Hey, how you doing today, Shipe? Good, good. And also for the 20th episode, we have a special guest joining us on the Shipe Sports Talk Man Cave Hotline. Gatesburg High School assistant varsity baseball coach, which also won the 2015 state champs. Also the new defensive coordinator for your Churchill Bulldogs varsity football team, Coach Danny Miller. Coach Miller, thanks for joining us. No problem, man. What's going on, fellas? <laughs> uh, coach Miller, do you mind telling the audience a little bit about yourself before we get going? Sure. Um, I've uh, been coaching at Gberg now for, this is my third year. Um, two years coaching football. This is my second year coaching baseball. Um, I mean, I grew up in Montgomery County. Also, I went to Sherwood High School, which is actually a rival of Gberg. So I still have a lot of friends that I graduated with that won't talk to me because I'm coaching at a rival school. But, you know, I, I've, I've made new friends with your dad, Dave. Um, so, you know, it's been good, man. I, I, my whole life I've been playing sports, but coaching has been a good opportunity to kind of stay involved with it. Um, so that's pretty much where I'm at right now. All right. Thanks for joining us. Uh, first let's get, I just want to hear your thoughts on your, uh, state title run for baseball. It was a great run. You know, y'all went through, a, had a hell of a regular season, a great postseason run. Um, just tell us, you know, what the kids felt like during that postseason run and, you know, the kind of pressure, do they feel any pressure at all going to the state game, knowing that they could be the first, uh, Gatesburg team to win a title during the game? You know, honestly, our group of guys that we had, I don't think ever really felt pressure, um, partly because they were too, they were just too laid back and too goofy. I mean, they, they never really took it too seriously, um, which turned out to be a great thing during the postseason. Um, during the regular season, it gave me and the head coach, Coach Robertman, you know, it was tough because they never were really fully focused in. But, you know, once the playoffs got rolling, they just played their game of baseball. And, you know, I really think that helped them in the postseason because, you know, I've coached teams where, you know, I've been a part of teams where you get in the postseason and and everything has to change. But with the group that we had, nothing changed. Um, You know, they they did the same stuff they were doing pregame before every game during the regular season. Um, And I think that really helped ease everyone um and you know they just went out and played baseball and it was it was fun to be a part of and it was really cool to see um and it was great for the kids man when, when we got that third out um up at aberdeen and we all rushed the field it was it was something to, it was something very very special and something i'll never forget that's awesome and it was awesome to bring you know title back home montgomery county keep it out of i think it was anna rundle's hands again so it was great to have a Another state title brought back to the county, Montgomery. Uh, one thing I want to ask, you know, you, Coach Miller, and also Brad, I was watching the College World Series this past week, and I was watching Maryland against Virginia. And the one thing I was looking at is, I know Gatesburg has two pitchers who are respectively going to Maryland and Virginia, was there's, I think it was a relief for starting pitchers. The pitch count was almost at 120 for each of them. They were both getting banged up. And I was just wondering your two opinions. Do you think in a college level – you think they're pitching these pitchers too much? I know, you know, Strasburg, when he was at San Diego State, Tony Gwynn would use them every three days, and, you know, maybe that could result in the Tommy John. So, Coach Miller's first go to you. What do you think about these college pitchers with such these high pitch counts, and do you think they're being overused at the college level? Well, that's 
that's a tough question to answer with not being part of the program. Um, you know, first of all, just raw down, you hear 120, and, you know, I think most people would agree that that's too much. Um, but a thing that, you know, I, I know a lot of coaches are looking at now is the stressful innings. Um, you know, when if you have consecutive 30-plus innings back-to-back, that's going to put a lot more strain with, with base runners on and, and you're making pressure pitches. That's going to put a lot more strain on the pitcher than, you know, if he's just battling deep in counts, but no one's actually getting on base. That's, you know, a stress-free inning. Um, at the college level with the right mechanics, it's it's hard to say. I think kids get into trouble when they really damage their arm at a, at a much younger age. Um, you know, I think a bigger problem is a fourteen year old. You know, before we actually played in the in the state championship game a couple of weeks ago, there was a little league game going on in one of the nearby facilities that we were watching, and there are thirteen year olds throwing curveballs. Um, I think that does a lot more damage to a pitcher than a you know a junior, senior, whatever in college who has an outstanding pitching coach with with, you know, textbook mechanics going deep into a ball game. So, you know, it, it's a tough line to walk. Um, you know, we had to, we experienced that in our state title game with, like you said, we have a pitcher going to university of Virginia, um, for six innings, giving up one run. Um, but you know, his pitch count was up. He did have a couple stressful innings. So we had to pull the plug and we went, um, into the seventh with a new arm. So, you know, it's always tough as a coach. You're always second guessing yourself. Um, but, you know, the, the coaches at these schools know their guys, um, and they know their pitch history. You know, maybe has he thrown 120 innings in a game up to that point? You know, I don't know. So it, it's kind of a case-by-case basis. But, but really, I think it, it's the, the underdeveloped kids throwing off-speed pitches really um, damage the arms at a much younger age than, you know, when they get into college. Yeah, I agree, because I know my dad, when I pitched in Little League, refused to teach me any kind of breaky ball or anything until – you know, I got older. Of course, I stopped playing, but he refused to teach me anything in middle school. Or well, that's because that's because your dad's smart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brad, what were your thoughts on um on what I just commented on about the, you know, the pitch count being high in college, and you know, you think maybe that affected Strasburg when he came on with the Tommy John? Uh, it's so hard to say, and uh, I agree with Coach that it, it kind of depends on the on the player. You know, you, you can't really say everyone's arm is exactly the same, and you can't say that everyone's going to react to to the same pitch count. So. You know, I think it's case by case, uh, sort of sort of basis that you gotta you gotta go off of. So I mean, yeah, I don't think there's you know a good enough evidence for you to really be able to draw from that says, well, as soon as you're you're averaging 112 pitches, you're gonna need Tommy John surgery. I think it just depends on the uh, on the player, uh, and, and it can depend on on exactly what pitches they're throwing as well. So it's so hard to say. All right. Now I'm going to open up the floor real quick to both of you. Um, actually, first, Coach Miller, I'm sure you watch baseball and uh, MLB. Who's your favorite team? Orioles. No Orioles. doubt. Okay. Well, we got an Orioles yeah. fan. <laughs> 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 do you think, um, since you know we had our MLB preview show, obviously, do you think losing Nelson Cruz before the season was a big loss for you guys? Absolutely. I mean, look what he's doing in Seattle. He's, he's tearing it up. Um, and, and if you look at the Orioles offense, it's, it's not what it has been the last couple of years. I was severely disappointed that we didn't resign him. I, you know, I know he had said he wanted to stay. Um, he was interested in staying. And at some point in this league, if you want to commit or if you want to compete on a consistent basis, you, you got to lock some guys down long-term. And I was sad to see Nelson Cruz go, man. Cause it was, it was fun watching him last year. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, he really did a spark in that lineup, especially when you lost, you know, Chris Davis to the, I guess, the suspension. Adderall. Yeah, that was the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. I mean, people take Adderall to concentrate. I guess it makes you a better hitter, apparently. Uh, well, you know, it does help you focus. So the, the worst part about that was, you know, he had a prescription, but he didn't renew his prescription to the MLB. So, you know, as, as, as it sounds, you know, it is solely on Chris Davis and the Orioles organization for not making sure they took care of what they needed to take care of. Because with the steroid there that's going on right now, you know, anything that pops on your on your drug test, they're going to bang you for it. So, you know, that was just an unfortunate event that took place. Yeah, definitely. All right, Brad, I'm going to turn the floor to you, and then Coach Miller will opt back. With let's, we, we talked about straws, but let's go into them. What is going on with him this year? Personally, I think it's more mentally than. Maybe physically, I think he's just not there. Hopefully this DL stint, you know, will get him back on track mentally because, you know, I mentioned to Brad and Coach Miller, if you heard when I was on the show a couple weeks ago, that Dan Heron, when he was here, first half of the season, he was horrible. He was giving up five or six runs a game. They put him on the DL, and it seemed like his second half of the season, he was one of the more dominant pitchers. Do you think maybe Brad first, do you think this DL stint will help Strasburg get back to where he needs to be mentally and, you know, maybe physically if something's wrong with him or, you know, we're going to see maybe a decline in him this season? Well, let me start with this. I, I I think he's struggling with his health, which is affecting him mentally with his with his confidence. So with this DL stint that he's going on, you know, hopefully he can get healthy and hopefully once he's healthy, he'll be confident enough to, you know, to to throw pitches with velocity and accuracy, knowing that, that his body is healthy. So I I don't see how it could possibly hurt. Uh is it gonna be the the root of all his struggles and you know he's he's gonna win the Cy Young now? You know, I don't know, but it can't hurt. All right, uh, Coach, what, what are your thoughts on Strasburg and what he's been going through this early part of the season? You know, it's it's tough to tell with Strasburg. You know, I remember a couple of years ago when he came in. I mean, all the hype that's around him in the D.C. area, and, you know, he lived up for it for so long. And then season has just been an anomaly. Um, with, with, you know, I was looking earlier today, his ERA and his whip is just way off the chart high. and you know, like uh, Brad was just saying, maybe the DL is good for him. You know, he can kind of get away from it for two weeks and get healthy. You know, confidence is a huge part of, of being a pitcher. And when you're confident, you know, throwing a 2-0 fastball versus when, you know, you've gotten hit around a little bit and you have to throw a 2-0 fastball and, and you're headed in to let it go, you know, that makes a huge difference. So, uh, like, like Brad said, it's, I don't think it could definitely hurt. Um, so getting away might be the best thing for Strasburg and the Nationals. Yeah, I think everyone can agree that he needed this badly. I mean, the last I went to the last game he pitched before he um, before they put him on, and that game against the Phillies was just god awful. I mean, I wanted to leave after the first couple of innings. I mean, thank God for AJ Cole to stop the bleeding. Which brings me to another point: these young pitchers for the Nationals are, you know, they're they're doing their stuff. I mean, they had a Ross who came in. I think I believe it was. A, Saturday, who pitched, you know, he called him up. Uh, his older brother uh, obviously plays for the Padres. And, you know, first, you know, he was had a no-hitter going through three innings, and they finally, you know, they called up to his stuff. Do you think as you, uh, for a younger pitcher, you know, it's easier for batters, you know, Brad first, easier for batters to adjust to a new pitcher than the pitchers with how young he was adjusting the batters? And that's probably what happened, you know, the second go around the lineup, Brad? Yeah, it, it- it could be, you know, and, and no one's necessarily seen his, you know, seen his stuff. And so it's kind of, kind of uncharted territory, uh, for a lot of these hitters. So maybe, you know, maybe that could have tied to some of his early success and, 
uh, you know, maybe people are starting to get a, get a feel for him, get a read on him and, and then start hitting him a little bit more. Coach, that's what it is. You know, as a young pitcher, the hitters don't really know too much about it. And then once the second go around comes, it happens. They finally picked up their stuff. Definitely. I mean, you even, you see it at the high school level, you see it at the college level, um, you know, first time through a lineup, for example, um, you know, I played, I played baseball at Elon university in Malaco college. You go through a lineup feeling, um, that's why you usually see the first things in, in any game or, you know, low scoring and round is where they really catch on. And when you're throwing to major league hitters, they're, you know, they're analyzing, they're charting, they're, they're dissecting every pitch. They're talking about what they're seeing. Um, and then the next time through, uh, you know, it's a whole new at that and a whole new ball game, really. Um, you know, I think it makes a huge, huge difference. And, um, you know, these young pitchers, same with young hitters, you know, I mean, pitchers, it goes both ways. Pitchers don't know how to throw to hitters uh, when they're young. Um, and then, you know, the scout report comes out, they get, they get more data on these players and, and then it, you know, it changes a little bit. So, you know, I think, um, for a young pitcher, um, you know, the cruise through a lineup, it, it's almost expected that second time through is definitely going to be more of a struggle than, than that first time. Yeah. And then as he gets, you know, developed as a pitcher, then he'll realize how to adjust to a batter and he'll have, Absolutely. you know, better results And that kid. I mean, for the first three innings, he looked pretty damn good and he's got some good stuff. So. You know, we're expecting big games from him and the nationals they seem to be almost jumping the kids from triple a and putting getting calling up the kids from double a you know from harrisburg they're bringing them up and those kids are looking impressive you know the big name that everyone seems to be waiting for you know in a couple of years now is going to be Geraldito. i'm hoping to maybe catch a game of potomac with him because i really want to see his stuff i mean he's got great reviews but it seems like the nationals all the young players right now are stepping up for him you had michael taylor yesterday hit another clutch home run that's three he's hit and, you know, he's looking like the future outfielder, you know, maybe if Worf's career is winding down, if they can't re-sign Span, but I think almost at this point, you almost should re-sign Span the way he's hitting. And another player that's, you know, I was talking to Brad before, uh, Coach Miller, that's really surprising me that I'm going to hate that if they take him out of the lineup is Danny Espinoza, who, you know, they told him beginning of the year, you know, you should only bat right-handed, but he's hitting from both ways, his average up to 267, way above probably his career average. And, um, Brad, what do you think's been up with Espinosa's recent success, and why is he hitting the ball the way he's? You know, this is, I mean, he's hitting the ball the way he did in 2012. And what do you think that could be from? No, it, it could just be a matter of. You know, I don't know if we know what health issues he was dealing with. Um, yeah, it, it could just be a matter of he, he's worked on uh, on his timing, and, and he, he's got everything down, and and he's seeing the ball, and it's looking big. It, it could just be a matter of that. You know, a matter of confidence, renewed confidence. You know, from 2012. And, uh, and the ball must be looking pretty big to him. So I, I think a lot of that can simply just be a credit to uh, he's a talented baseball player, and, and right now he's streaking in the right direction. And uh, Coach Miller, the question I have for you is someone like Espinosa, he's streaking hot. But, you know, in the infield, you have Rendon, Escobar, and Desmond. What do you do with someone like Espinosa who is streaking, having this hot streak? I mean, do you sit someone like him? Do you try to find a place in the lineup? I mean, I know... Worth is out. Do you try him out in left field? Give him some practice out there. I mean, what do you do with someone who's hitting hot, but then once someone comes back from injury, it's almost like you know you're hitting, but you have to go back to the bench. I mean, what do you do in a coach's situation? What do you do do there? Um, from a coach's standpoint, you know, I always believe you got to go with the hot hand, um, especially in baseball where most hitters are so streaky one way or the other. Um, you know, I haven't really followed the Nats too close this season. You know, obviously, I check in on sports that I'm in there talking about them and I know they beat the Yankees last night which was huge for the O's um, 
but you know you got to go with the hot hand. And if you make Major League Baseball, you can catch you can catch a fly ball. So you know if they got to hide him in the outfield to keep his bat in the lineup, um, you know if he's still if he's still hot, I think that's a move you got to make. You know if if you're hitting the ball, that's invaluable in Major League Baseball and any baseball. Um, and you got to find room in the lineup uh, to keep that guy in the lineup. I think we were talking about. I mean, you saw what they did to Ryan Zimmerman last year. They put him in left field, and he played exactly. like like he played it all his whole career. I mean, he was making diving catches out there. It was incredible. But I mm-hmm. mean, baseball so far this year has been so many unexpected events. I mean, you got Houston, you have Minnesota, who's in first place. Who I think beginning of the season, I picked both of them to finish in last place. So I mean, you got the Yankees, who are you know up you know up in first place, who I thought was going to finish in last at the East because I thought their lineup wasn't as good. But Teixeira seems to be having a bounce back year, which isn't too good for your O's. No. Um, but Joe, I saw Adam Jones is now back from injury, which is big from you guys. You guys needed that big time. Your pitching's, you know, is always, you know, the Orioles pitching it's past couple of years have been coming up pretty strong with, for you guys. It has, um, you know, we've gotten contributions from a lot of, from a lot of names that if you went outside of the state of Maryland, you know, people have never heard of before, which is, which is actually uh, something that the O's struggled with for so long is getting a farm system that, you know, you could count on when, when injuries happen, like last year with Machado and Davis going down. Um, so, you know, I, the O's are tough, you know, letting Cruz go, like I said, it's it's almost, you know, my boy, not my boy, very sarcastically, Peter Angelos, um, you know, I think he's becoming more of a major league owner, but he, I, I don't know how badly he wants to win. You know, I, I I think he's more into, you know, just kind of making the playoffs. Like, we, this year is very disappointing so far now. It's only it's only June. Um, but I just, it, it's it's tough being an O's fan, you know, because last year with, with the offensive onslaught we had and then we lose a guy like Nelson Cruz and it goes way downhill. It's just, you know, it's been it's been a tough year this year. But, you know, hopefully they, they get some pieces back and start stringing together some wins. Yeah, it's true. Um, before we jump ship to take a break and go to um, football, I want to ask some more questions about the Gatesburg baseball team. Uh, these sure. two these two pitchers you got, they're both juniors. What, how do you like your chances of repeating the state as state champs next year with these pitchers? Um, you know, in high school baseball, if you have one arm that's special, you have you have a shot to to be pretty successful. Um, and when you have two arms that we have, it it's we the only way that I believe that we will lose, and we said it this year, is if we beat ourselves. Um, if we play our game, I have a very hard time believing that someone will beat us. The only way that that we're not going to do what we want to do, which is win another state championship, is if if we lose focus, if we lose our swagger, um, and we just go out there and, and we beat ourselves. I really like what we have. We have a a lefty going to Virginia. Um, who at times struggles with his command, but w- when he peppers the strike zone, he's virtually unhittable at the high school level. He's you know around ninety um, with his fastball, but he's got a very strong changeup and, and an even better breaking ball. And then you know our kid going to Maryland, he actually needs to be healthy. He's had some arm problems um, towards the latter part of the, this past season. Um, so if, if he's healthy and we have both of those as seniors with the state championship under their belt, um, I, I honestly believe it is ours to lose. All right. Now with the kids, you know, I always wonder about this, you know, with the one going Virginia and Maryland, especially the one going to Maryland with injury, does the Maryland coach ever contact, you know, like Raberman and say, Hey, look, he's, 
looking hurt. You know, I don't want him you to use him as much. I mean, do the college coaches ever have any input in high school on how much these kids, you know, play or hurt, you know, to try to protect them before they come to their universities? They absolutely have input. Um, but to be honest, Rab, uh, Coach Rab never put um, Pantos, that's the kid going to Maryland, never put Pantos in a situation where it would become risky for his long-term health. As soon as Pantos told us he had injury and, and he was you know feeling his arm is what he kept saying, he could feel his arm, um, we pretty much shut him down. He threw, I think, three innings in the playoffs this year. Um, and, and that was pretty much it. So we, we definitely have the player's best interest, um, you know, in our heart. And, and we really want to put them in the best, in the best situation to be successful. So coach college coaches definitely know what's going on. They talk to the players and I'm sure they talk to the coaches. That's probably a question that coach Rabs can answer better than I but Coach Rabs never got to the point where it was an issue because as soon as as soon as he had arm problems, you know, yes, we want to win a state championship, but you know, Pantos's future is brighter than us winning the championship, so we we shut him down, and that was a no decision for us. Yeah, and on the coach uh, Jeff Raverman, I'm trying to get him on the show. The problem is his Gaysburg Giants, which is in the Cal Ripken League, I believe they play every Thursday. So we're working on something to where you know I can do a um, a recording before, like on a earlier type show. And then just plugging it in. So we are trying to get Raverman on. We didn't jump ship. We are going to try to get him on sooner or later. So I want to know. I'll, 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 I'll stay in his ear. I'll yell at him for you. <laughs> I want to know what, what it was like for the kids when, you know, the last out was made and they just, I'm sure they went ballistic. I mean, like. It was, it, it was the coolest. Now I got to say this for obvious reasons. Um, been married, have two kids. Outside of that, it was one. Of, it was one of the coolest experiences of my life. It, it really was. It was as a coach to see your kids be able to celebrate like that with the fans that we had and the support that we had. Um, it was awesome. I mean, you know, you have eighteen-year-old tough kids just falling on the pitcher's mound after we dogpile, just hugging, um, just just the definition of joy and happiness. It was the coolest thing to see as a coach. Um, you know, I kept telling them as a, as a high school football player, I lost two state championships and I told them, you know, I never want them to feel that because I, I don't know what I, I didn't know what winning a state championship felt like. I knew what losing one felt like. Um, and to see them win it was so unbelievably special and something that I will never forget. I'm sorry. You can't put it into words. It was so special. All right. Um, real quick, you know, I'm jumping back and forth here, but it's the 20th episode. I don't care what I do. <laughs> uh, quick, quick, real quick about uh, Harper, Brad, uh, quick, your thoughts on Harper. How do you, so far his season has just been remarkable. I mean, he's going above expectation. Do you see Brad, do you see Harper continuing this hot streak that he's been on? I think so. I think you can just simplify it with maturity. You know, he's always had the talent to be big. I think now He's had enough training uh, and he's grown enough where he knows he's special and he's going to do something special, which is what he's doing this year. So I think you can definitely tie it just simple maturity. He's grown up. And um, Coach uh, Miller, I don't know if you've been following Harper this year. I mean, it's kind of hard not to with all the storylines. What do you think about him so far this year and what do you think is contributing to his success? Well, first of all, he's what, 23 years old? I want to say 22, 23. Yeah. Around there. Yeah. Okay. 22, 23. 
um, to be, you know, 20, 21, 22, playing Major League Baseball, um, some struggles should be expected going into it. And, and, you know, now that he's 23 years old, he's been in the league a couple times, he knows what to, he knows what to expect. Um, you know, this is the player that the Nationals drafted. They're, they're finally seeing it. Um, you know, baseball is a very, very humbling game. Um, you know, it's a team game, but it's also got a lot of individual aspects. And when you're struggling, everyone knows you're struggling. Uh, when you're doing well, everyone knows you're doing really well. So, you know, I think he's, he's turning into a pro now. Um, like Brad was saying, you know, he's definitely maturing. Um, and he's kind of taking more of an ownership role and a leadership role on this team. And he's been through, he, you know, he's, he's played in playoffs and he knows what it takes to get there. And, you know, hopefully this time he figures out what it takes to, to win and get to that next level. But, you know, he is, it's, he's a special, special player. And, you know, I know a lot of comparisons are made between him and Trout, but, um, you know, I, I just think Harper, Harper by far is my favorite national as those fans and that there's no question. And it's, it's just fun to watch him play. He plays the game how it's supposed to be played. And, you know, I think he's figuring out what it means to be a pro now and he's kind of putting it all together and, and the results are short. Now, are you watching the O's game as you're talking to us? Because there is a score update if you would like one. <laughs> um, I'm not watching. The last time I saw they were, I believe they were up. What's what? Give me the update. It's it's one nothing. Top of the second, Jones hit a home run. Okay, so there we go. Right. Right. Yeah, Jones hot, man. <laughs> Jones hot. Now he's a streaky hitter, man. He uh, he exploded for you know from the start of the season and he kind of went downhill, but he's coming back again. So Jones Jones is a special player too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a great. I mean, they got a steal in that trade. I mean, they traded Bernard, who everyone you know was, you know, upset about because he was pitching so good. But Bernard just went downhill, and Jones just went nothing but uphill. So they definitely uh, stole that trade from the Mariners. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> did you see the top of the second inning yesterday with those? I did not see the O's game. <laughs> they had uh, Jones threw it out of second, then Snyder threw out a, threw out a guy second, and then Jones made a leaping grab. For a one-two-three inning, it was the most unorthodox one-two-three inning I've ever seen. It's unreal. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, we're going to take a quick break here on the show. On the other side, we're going to talk to Coach Miller some more about the NFL OTAs and also some high school football. So we'll be right back in momentarily. Stay tuned. Hey, this is Paul from the Shipe Sports Talk podcast. Just wanted to let you know how you could listen to our podcast while you're on the go using an app called Stitcher. You can listen anytime, anywhere using the award-winning free Stitcher app. Best part is, when you stream our podcast or any of the other 20,000 available out there, there's no downloading, no syncing, or no wasted memory. It's on demand and on the go. So if you don't already have the Stitcher app on your iPhone, Android phone, or tablet, download it free today at Stitcher.com or from your app store. Add us to your favorites list, and every week when we put out our new episode, Stitcher will automatically update and have the latest episode of the Shipe Sports Talk podcast waiting for you. While you're there, it really helps us get our podcast noticed if you give us a nice review, rating, and thumbs up. We'll greatly appreciate it. Have a comment or question? Easy. Go to ShipeSportsTalk.com, click on the Contact Us tab, and there you'll be able to submit your questions or comments. We love hearing from you, so we'll be sure to thank you live on the air. You'll also find on ShipeSportsTalk.com the latest episodes, show notes, and other ways to find us on platforms like iTunes and YouTube. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Shipe Sports Talk show. We're going to go into some OTAs. I'm sure I know Coach Miller is a Redskins fan, I'm assuming. 
Absolutely. And we got Brad as a Redskins fan. So um, I want to bring off, you know. Hey, Matt, real, are you a Redskins fan? I'm not. I'm a Titans fan. No. But you know what? I really don't mind because Mariota's sounding pretty damn good right now at OTAs. <laughs> Suck for duck. That was my campaign after like the second game last year. <laughs> but uh, real quick. Huh? Well, I'm hoping he. I'm hoping our dude doesn't blow out his knee though in the playoffs. Shouldn't have exactly. said that. I know. I knock on wood now. Shouldn't have said that. Um, I want to go to a real quick, serious subject, Brad. I'm asked you first. Uh, Russian draft pick Jamison Crowder was involved. You know, a little Twitter hack about a domestic issue. Uh, no charges were ever filed, Brad. What were your thoughts on this? Do you believe that nothing happened? Do you think his Twitter was hacked? And what, how should the Redskins handle this situation with him? Uh, it's it's slightly frustrating just because I, I feel like we've kind of had a dark cloud looming over the Redskins organization in the past couple of years. So it's just kind of frustrating to hear that. Uh, but in terms of what I'm going to buy into, nothing at this moment. You know, I'm going to wait until more stuff comes out before I make any type of speculation about what I thought went on, what I, you know, anything about the situation. Uh, You know, I'll just, I'll wait. And I think the Redskins organization should do the same. You know, I don't think they should jump to any conclusions. I don't think they need to, you know, let him go unless they have more information than they're releasing. But uh, otherwise I, I would just stick with, with with just doing what we're doing. And uh, you know, it'll kind of come to the surface if, uh, if, if there is a bad issue, otherwise it'll just go away and you can just keep doing what you're doing. Coach, what do you, how do you feel about the situation with uh, Crowder? I agree. I, I think you need to take a, uh, a wait-and-see approach. Um, you know, the timing of the incident is kind of uh, questionable just because, you know, he was drafted and then, and then this whole incident came out. So, you know, I don't think we should jump to conclusions. I think that's what the you know, media and society in general always wants to do is jump to conclusions. Um, so, you know, I don't think it's really fair to say one way or the other uh, until more facts come out and we really figure out what's going on. I had all, I had all agree with the same thing. Uh, another thing from Reskins real quick is Deshaun Jackson obviously was not there the first couple of days. A lot of people gave him crap for it. Personally, I don't think you should. I mean, you know what Deshaun's going to bring to the table. You know, yeah, he may get some more, you know, he could get some more, you know, timing down with RG3, but I really feel... OTA is more just to get your legs to loosen up, get ready for training camp, because you're really not going to go your true form until someone's hitting you on the line or giving you a big bump off the line. So, uh, Brad, I mean, I didn't have a problem with it, and I'm not a Russians fan. Did you have a problem with it as a Stint fan about Deshaun missing it and then showing himself being at a, you know, at one of the NBA playoff games? Uh, you know, yes and no. Let me say that, Shipe. You know, Deshaun Jackson has a, a past of kind of just being a little bit of a hothead, you know, maybe not taking it seriously enough. But when it comes down to crunch time, the dude produces, and that's all that really matters. So I think when you when you have Deshaun Jackson on your team, you're maybe prepared for a little bit of unprofessionalism off of the field. You know, hopefully it doesn't end up being any kind of fines or any kind of suspensions, but you know he's going to bring it on Sunday, uh, and and he's done it for years in Philly. He, you know, he did it for us his first year in Washington. So I'm kind of just like, okay, I expected maybe something to you know to happen with Deshaun Jackson, but do I think it's going to you know not having those three days of getting his timing down with RG three? I mean, if if you don't have it, three days is not going to magically get your timing with your quarterback. Uh, so, you know, I'm not, I'm not that worried about it. And, and I kind of anticipated something, 
he always brings a little bit of baggage with him. But uh, in terms of production, I, I know he's going to play well this year if he stays healthy. All right. Coach, what were your thoughts on that? I mean, honestly, I, I really could not care less. I couldn't believe. Well, I mean, I can believe all the covers that it got. Um, you know, Deshaun Jackson is a is a pro. He's been in the league for a long time. Yes, he has some history um, with with some of his antics. But, you know, he claimed that he had personal issues going on, which, you know, very well he may have had some personal issues going on. The, the suspect thing is, you know, he was courtside at the Cavs game in the playoffs. That probably wasn't the best move. Um, but him not being at Redskins OTAs, I, I honestly think, has no impact. Um, whether OTAs are, are beneficial for rookies, new new guys to the team, whether it be free agents, trades, whatever, um, and quarterbacks. Uh, you know, I don't think we missed any any kind of rhythm or we don't miss anything for our first preseason game because Deshaun Jackson missed a couple of TAs. Sure, sure. Now, um, for the draft pitch you all had, you know, I'm sure, Coach, you're a big O-line guy, so I know you love that pitch. Who do you, out of all the draft pits, you know, obviously the top, you know, four will be the biggest impacts. Brad, you first. Who do you think should make the biggest impact of this rookie class? Yeah, I think it has to be Sheriff, you know, simply beaten. Yeah, simply because we have a stud running back in Alfred Morris. And if we can get our running game going, that can really open up the passing game for us. You know, we can set up play action and we can expose people deep with Deshaun Jackson. So I, I think he will kind of be one of the guys who really helps turn this team around in terms of us being able to move the ball, get first downs and then set up play action. So, uh, you know, you, you can't expect Crowder to come in and and be an extreme game changer. And at the running back position, we're already preset. So I think it really ties down to being able to give RG3 some time and being able to run the football and set up play action because that's the way we're built. So I'm going to go Sheriff. Coach, your opinion? Gotta be Sheriff. You know, people have been complaining around D.C. for years that our O-line is terrible. And then we draft the best O-lineman on, you know, a lot of the experts' boards with our first overall pick, and then people will complain about it, which I think is hilarious because it's not the sexy pick. Um, but it's got to be Sheriff. We, we, need a, we need to solidify our O-line. You know, we have obviously, with picking up the option with RG3, we've invested even more in RG3. We have to keep healthy. We have to keep him on the field if that's the route we're going. Um, and, you know, having Trent Williams on the left and Sheriff on the right uh, should make RG3 better, just even mentally, knowing that he has two horses on the outside protecting him and then, you know, sure up the middle with, with whatever, you, whatever you go with. But also, I think Jones, the only guy we got out of Florida, um, he's a monster. You know, I saw a couple pictures of him and without pads on, and, and I think he absolutely could spell Alfred Morris um, in short yarded situations and, and he looks like a freak. So I'm also very, very excited to see what he can do. I agree with, you know, both of you on the, on uh Schaefer, but uh, personally I like Jamison Crowder because I like his return game and I like what he brings to the slot. And he reminds me of Santana and that he is the replacement for Santana, I believe. And I believe, you know, he could have, you know, almost a 40 catch season, maybe about 600 yards, a couple TDs from that slot position. And he could be used, you know, you know, you know, uh, Jordan Reed has been off and on of injuries. Crowder, that slot could be used, you know, as a dump off receiver to where, you know, he can sling right across the middle on a drag route and all RG3 got to do is put it right in front of him. And 
the speed he has, give him some open room, and he, you know, he can go the distance. So I more or less like Crowder because what he brings to the passing game and to the return game. Because let's face it, your guys' return game has been awful the past couple of years. I mean, you got people fumbling the ball, not wanting to return it. I mean, I still don't know why you don't put Deshaun back there for some obvious weird reason after what he did with the Philly. But I think Crowder could be a you know Schaefer, you know, offensive lineman, but Crowder could be that game changer to where maybe you're down by 21, down by 14, they kick the ball and he takes it back to the house and quickly momentum shifts. So I think in terms of in more impact, I think it could be Crowder, Crowder with that uh, momentum swing type uh, game type ability. There's no possible way you're living in a fantasy with that. Why? Because it's ridiculous. We took a, a wide receiver in the fourth round. You think he's going to be like a, an impact player right away? That, that There's no way. Sheriff is way more important, Shripe. That he's so much more important than a than a kick return touchdown. That, that Our season is not going to ride or die on a on a kick return touchdown. Our season is going to ride or die on keeping our quarterback well, yeah, healthy. Yeah, I meant in terms of momentum swing, though. He's a momentum swing type player when yeah, he— Yeah, because Sheriff doesn't touch the football. Well, so he's not going to change momentum, but his— is 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 Crowder going to get us more wins or is Sheriff going to get us more wins? There is no doubt in my mind Sheriff is more important to this team than Crowder will be. Well, obviously, but I think Crowder has more big play type abilities. I just well, like I like Crowder being more of an impact player in terms of production. Okay, Sheriff, yeah, offensive line, but I like Crowder for some reason. I don't know why. Call me crazy. We can put it in the stupid little bet book that we have, but I like Crowder. <laughs> Shoot, he he better have at least nine touchdowns then. For him to be an impact player, he better have at least nine. I touchdowns. think he'll have at least five this season. Mm, all right, I'll, I'll take. I'll, five, I'll take five stuff. Just five stuff, just because of the offense under. that we have and the offensive weapons that we have. Crowder Crowder reminds me a lot of Brandon Banks, actually, in, in that really the only role I see him in as a as a rookie and as a younger player is in the return game. Um, you know, and Brandon Banks, he was electric. Um, but you know, they, they have a short shelf, everything they're doing with kickoffs and, and what they're doing is, you know, the special team game, now punts will still be an option. I just, I have a hard time seeing how he's going to crack into the lineup with, uh, Pierre Garcon, Deshaun Jackson, Jordan Reed, if he stays healthy. And we have some guys that, that are very, very capable of, of producing some offensive numbers. If we get the line play, to allow RG3 to distribute the football. So that's why I agree with what Brad's saying with Sheriff. Um, you know, I don't even know how much playing time Crowder will see this season. Yeah, he still has to beat out Andre Roberts for that slot position. Like I said, you, know, you call me crazy, but I'm going with the underdog. I like Crowder. I don't know why. There's just hey, something about Crowder right. I like. I, I, I There's something right. about him I like. There's something about him I like. I don't know why. I went back for some reason. I just looked at gameplay from Duke. Just curious. I just wanted to look at the player, and there's something about him I like. I just see big team. Big uh, time potential in terms of play-wise and breaking something open for a home run. I just, well, I, I like him. I don't know why. Let, let me say this, though. When it comes to comparing Crowder to Sheriff, a lot of the impact that Sheriff is going to have is not necessary, ne- necessarily quantitative. You know, making a key block, they don't, like, say, okay, he had three blocks today. Like, that, you know, they don't, quant- you know, quantify that. Whereas, you know, Crowder, okay, 40 receptions, okay, nine touchdowns, you know, that they, they tack that up as you did it. You know, I feel like Sheriff is going to be like quiet. You're not going to notice it except for you're going to start seeing our offense moving a lot more. And and it's going to be things like that. You know, it's not going to be so, uh, so well, well that, you know, he's caught 40 balls and, and he has X amount of touchdowns. It's not going to be like that, but you're just going to notice us moving the football, you know, getting more first downs. 
you know, most of that credit is going to go towards Alf and it's going to go towards RG3 and our receivers. Uh, but I think I think some of that should go to credit our offensive line, Williams and Sheriff. Don't get me wrong. I'm not arguing against you guys. I'm just saying I like Crowder. I feel like I feel like he can change games sometimes with a return game or something, which okay. the Redskins missed a lot the past couple of years with someone, except for RG3's rookie year, they didn't have someone besides Deshaun that can change a game momentum with one play. And I feel like Crowder on the return game can do that and maybe give you guys a spark in terms of return game maybe in a quick touchdown off of a pass that turns to something big. I feel like you guys okay. have only been missing that with just Deshaun. I feel like with him, that's another deep threat. Yeah, Pierre, you know, he gets deep balls, but I feel like Crowder with his speed, you know, you put him and Deshaun on the field together, then not only do you have to look at Deshaun for speed, you have to look at Crowder to where one will go on with the other and they can split the safeties, then you even open the field up even more. With what was his 40 time? Is he even that fast? I have to go back and look, but I know he's pretty quick. Okay. Thanks, very good. All right, um, real quick before uh, Coach Miller leaves us because we're probably going to shift to NBA finals. I talked to him about some high school football. Uh, he's been coaching my dad the past couple of years. Um, in terms of developing a high school player, how do you do it in terms of getting them ready for the college level? Like from them starting as a freshman to senior year, how do you start preparing them like mentally and physically for the players that you know have you know D one potential, D two potential that you know will go to the next level? How do you prepare them for that? Well, as far as the kids that have the D1 potential or the college potential, um, you know that's that's pretty evident from the from the time they walk through the doors. Um, you know what I what I think we do very well being myself and your dad, coach, coach, and the other coaches on our staff is um, first and foremost we we try to make them enjoy football. Um, you know, a lot of them come into football having some past experience or not having any experience at all. Um, and whether they've had a bad experience or no experience, they, they view it as almost like a job. Um, and high school football is supposed to be fun. So we, we try our hardest every single day. Yes, we get to work. And yes, we get on them. And we critique them. And we, we try to make them better on the basis. But what I think our job is as coaches is to really let them enjoy the game that they are playing, whether it be baseball or football. Um, and in the drills that we do, we try to bring some enthusiasm and a passion to everything that we do. Um, but if they don't enjoy what they're doing, they won't, have, they won't even have a desire to play at the next level because it's like a job for them. That, that's what we always have to separate. So, you know, my biggest thing is, is, Every coach is fundamental, and then every coach, you know, can X and O on a chalkboard. But you know what I think we've had some success with is having fun with the process, because you know I'm sure we've all played sports, and and everything is a process. Everything you do is a process. So if you enjoy the process of getting through a grueling week before you kick off on a Friday night or you know Saturday afternoon on JV, um, you know if you enjoy it, then then you and you just have fun with what you're doing and you respect the game. And, and that's really my biggest thing that I try to get out of the kid is enjoy what you're doing. Enjoy your time you have in high school. Um, and whatever happens in the future happens. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we all can agree with that. You know, just making sure the kids have fun. Now the ones that you, you know, like you said, you walk through the door, you see D one potential. Uh, I mean, just how do you like guide them to, you know, not only, you know, mentally, physically, but you know, to show them, you know, in college, don't be a knucklehead. Stay out of trouble. How do you try to like guide them while they're in school there to try to keep them away from getting themselves in trouble to where they could potentially, you know, ruin 
any kind of shot right. they have of, you know, even going to college because they look at him and say, okay, well, this kid's trouble. Let's just, you know, we'll, un, you know, like we don't want him to commit to us anymore. How do you keep those kids away from that type of um, environment? Well, you know, I think as a head coach, you know, as a former, um, as a former head JV coach, you have to have a relationship with every single player on your team. Um, you have to have one-on-one conversations and, and the trust that you gain from the players, from those one-on-one conversations um, is crucial to keeping like you're talking about those players on track. Um, you know, I, I'm, I make sure I'm checking players' grades on a weekly basis. I'm getting reports from other teachers on a weekly basis. Um, and if I get a bad report, we, we have a freshman, um, I won't say his name, but his, his brother or cousin, I don't know, his brother or cousin, is the starting outside linebacker at the University of Maryland. And he's got a ton of potential, and he's on my JV team. Um, and he knows he has a ton of potential. So he started slacking off in the school. And it's, it's really the conversations that you have with them outside of the field and, you know, in the building that has the most impact. And, you know, it's some of the, some of the players that I coach don't really have anyone to turn to when they go home. So, you know, it's just, just having the conversation. I'm here for you. I'm, in, I'm invested in you. I care about you. Um, you know, that goes a long way in a lot of these kids' lives. And, you know, I think it's very, very important for them to hear from the second they walk through the door, um, at the high school level. All right. All right. Uh, one question before we let you go here, uh, something, you know, I follow that mocofootball.com thing. I'm sure you know about that site. Um, the big problem I've been having, I've been seeing in Montgomery County lately in high school football in this area is kids transferring from one school to another thinking, Oh, well, this school do better. You know, it bugs the hell out of me that these kids transfer so much. What are your thoughts on that? Because I know Gates of Bird, I'm not going to mention the name, just had some kid that transferred to a school, you know, in Germantown. And, you know, the comments I've saw in the Gazette, you know, really, you know, it disturbs me a little bit that they would say something like that. But what are your thoughts about these kids that transfer from school to school, especially in the high school level when they're so young? And it's just, I think it's just, I think it's crazy that they try to do that. I mean, what are your thoughts on it? I don't understand it. I just, I, I don't get it. You know, I played high school football in Montgomery County and for the, you know, I, I played at Sherwood high school and I would never have left Sherwood high school, regardless of the situation to go to any other school in the County. I couldn't have. Um, and you know, that's actually one thing I try to preach to our guys, you know, the name on the front of your Jersey, what does that mean to you? You know, cause you know, when I was playing high school football, Gaithersburg high school, was the class of the county. And, you know, it should have a sense of pride. I don't understand it. And, and I think it's a mindset that is, you know, a problem with a lot of the players that we deal with is, you know, they want the quick fix and they don't, they don't really feel a sense of pride and, and, you know, connected to where they are and where they grew up. And, you know, if, if it's going bad, then they'll just go over here. And first of all, I don't understand how that works. I don't, I don't know how you can just leave schools as regularly as these kids are leaving schools. But even if that option is available, I don't understand why they would want to. Um, you know, obviously, I know the player you're speaking of. He's played three seasons at a at, at Gaither's Road High School. I couldn't imagine leaving after three years and playing my senior year in other school. Just, it makes no sense to me. I don't understand it. Um, and it's, it's really what the modern player is and, and a challenge that we have to deal with as coaches. Yeah, and you know, we're speaking the same player. You know, I read the comments, what he said. And it was just, 
you know, it hurts that he's tossed about my, my, you know, it hurts. I mean, I went to Gatesburg and it hurt what he said about them. It was terrible. And, you know, he had, you know, he has great potential as a kid, but it's just, it's just, I think it's stupid that you're, that Montgomery County and themselves are letting kids go from school to school like they're free agents. Like you have now coaches are like, well, you know, come play for my school. I'll let you play here and stuff like that. And it's just, right. at, at a high school level, it's ridiculous. It is. It is. It's, 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 it goes against everything that, you know, we try to preach to them or that, you know, our staff being me and my father, me, your father, and the two other coaches on our staff, we preach to them, have a sense of pride in what you are doing and who you're doing it for. And the fact that they can just leave school as a senior going to a new school to play your senior year, um, is just mind blowing. And it's, it's something that I know I would never have done. Um, but again, you know, the modern player and what they are, they, they really have no sense of, of pride and ownership of, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to win at this school and this is the only school that matters. So it's, it's, it's different. And it's something that we have to adapt to, I think. And the big thing they don't realize is when they go to the college level, you can't be doing that same thing. I mean, when you sign to a school, no. you're pretty much going to have to stay there. Cause if you go to a new school, it's not going to be like high school yeah. where, Oh, I'm the best player. I'll just go be there. You're going to have to start all over. You may have to sit out a year. And I hope they realize that when they get to college level, that crap is going to stop to where they can't be transferring from school to school every year. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, you know, a conversation I had with him, actually, I brought that up, um, you know, because I did, you know, I talked to him and, you know, I, I tried to level with him and let him understand because, you know, there are a lot of players that he was letting down at Gaithersburg that were counting on him. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, it's just, it's just a, it's a different situation. It's like sports is always evolving. And now in high school, um, you know, kids are leaving and going to private school for a year and then coming back to public school or changing public schools. It's, it's just bizarre. Um, and it, it's, it's almost affecting the passion that kids play with. It's, it's very, it's almost like pro sports. If you think about it, yeah, um, you know, they're doing everything. it. They're, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's wild. I mean, it's almost like they, like the high school days is where you start building your, your, your passion for the sport and everything like that. And it just seems like they're moving too quickly into, to, you know, to grownups. They're, they're growing up too fast doing this and it just doesn't seem like it's the, the right way to do it, but I don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're going to thank coach Miller for joining us on the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for coming. Uh, we're hoping to get you back on again for another show. Uh, congratulations once again on your state title. Hopefully we can get the head coach of Raverman on this show. We'll find some way to do it. But we would, I'll, I'll stay on him, like I said. I'll get him on. But I appreciate it, so it's been fun. Yeah, we'd love to have you back on. Maybe get you on before the NFL season. You know, we do a big. Uh, we're gonna do a big NFL. You know, preview show. We're also gonna do a fantasy football show. I don't know if you do fantasy football or not. Oh come on! <laughs> well, we not do fantasy. Football? Well, we do. Well, I'll have to send you an invite to a league I'm doing where the win- we're doing a league for the show where the winner will be getting a trophy, the first ever Shite Sports Talk. Uh, fantasy football trophy so i'll send you a link to that but Tell me in, man. all right but we'll love to have you on the show again maybe we'll get you on for the nfl preview show get you in studio where we you know make our predictions but thanks again for coming and we'll definitely have you back on sometime in the future yeah congratulations I, coach i appreciate it fellas it's been fun thank you all right take thanks, care coach. congrats mm-hmm. all right bye And that was Coach uh, Danny Miller, Gatesburg High School uh, baseball team, the state champs, joining us on the Shife Sports Talk Man Cave Hotline. Uh, thank you to him for coming on, and um, I hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, right now, we're going to shift into some NBA Finals talk. I know Brad's been waiting maybe a little bit for that. Uh, I'm very shocked that it's 2-1 Cleveland. Uh, my thing is that Cleveland better 
get all the wins now they can because I'm pretty sure Brad can agree with me. Curry will not be shooting this cold, and the Warriors cannot be shooting cold the rest of the series. They gotta ignite some sometime, some way or another. They're gonna ignite for some threes. I mean, they've been shooting poorly. There's no way they can shoot like this through the entire rest of the series. Brad, what do you think? Hmm. You know what? I was thinking the same thing, Shipe, until they keep missing shots and keep missing shots and keep missing shots. We've seen many times in the playoffs and NBA Finals where you got high-flying, fast offensive teams go up against, you know, a little bit more of a, a stouter team, a slower-paced team, a defensive team that that tries to knock you off your spots, and usually it works. You know, this is, in my opinion, this is just another example of how every single season before every single sport, whether it's NFL, whether it's, you know, baseball, whether it's basketball, defense wins championships. Golden State is not known for their defense by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, Cleveland is by far a, a better defensive team, and they're a more physical team, and they're knocking a smaller, uh, you know, fast-paced team off their spots, and it's doing just enough to make it where they can't hit these shots. And I see no reason to think that it's going to change. So, no, I don't think Golden State is going gonna, is gonna to come back. If Cleveland wins his game tonight, you can you can you can ring this thing up, and uh, this is just a credit to LeBron James, uh, the type of leadership that he has, and uh, the uh, the ability he has to to bring whatever it takes to the table in order to be competitive in basketball games and give his team a chance to win. All right, guys, real quick, sorry for we're having some technical difficulties. For some reason, something's wrong with the connection. Maybe there's a storm somewhere, but we're still going to stay with you, Brad. You're good to go. You're fine. Yeah, it, it was just breaking up just a, little, up a little, little bit, bit. but but we, we okay. heard what you were saying. We heard what you were saying. Uh, I agree with you a little bit. I'm hoping Golden State gets hot. You know, I really love Steph Curry. I think he's an amazing player. I'd love to see him with a title. He is young, though, so he is going to have more opportunities to win. Mm-hmm. Um, I think LeBron, you know, he's just he's the best player in the game right now, and he's playing like it. I mean, he's shooting lights out. He's mm. putting this team... What? He's not shooting lights out. He's shooting the worst he's ever shot. He is. Uh, I mean, as in terms of getting points. That's what I meant. Not lights out, but oh, getting points. I'm sorry. He, he's what? Points. The- <laughs> 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 we have another guest on the show. It would be a cat. He has something to say about that. LeBron. <laughs> LeBron. I mean, he's, he's, I mean, he's like you say, he's not shooting lights out. I mean, in terms of points, he is putting the team on his back sort of and getting, yes. he's making the players around him better because I think Golden State is worrying so much about LeBron that he's kicking out and other players are getting open. And a lot of, Players you've never heard of are stepping up in this series, which was big for Cleveland. I mean, if you told an average fan or even a mega fan, you know, two weeks ago, hey, Cleveland's going to be up 2-1 without uh, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love, you'd probably smack them in the face and call them stupid. Yeah, no way. You would, I, I, no way. As soon as Kyrie went out, I honestly thought this series was over. I was like, well, this is done, you know, <laughs> simply because it would take a heroic effort from LeBron in order to... To, to pull us off. And so far he's given it. Uh, but I, I will give a little bit of extra credit to, uh, to the team of Cleveland, you know, that they've really stepped up. Tristan Thompson has played really well. I mean, it, especially on the defensive end. I mean, they're not doing anything outstanding offensively. You know, they're only scoring about 90 or so points a game. It's not like they're absolutely shooting lights out and just frying. They are giving their all on the other side of the court, on the defensive end, and it shows. You know, it shows the fact that that Curry can't hit the shots. Thompson's not hitting their shots. You know, Draymond Green has been virtually nothing. Who's Draymond uh, Green it, in this know, series? <laughs> That's pretty much what it's been like. 
I mean, that, that that's exactly it. So, uh, you know, credit to, to LeBron's teammates for giving it all on the other end. Uh, you know, playing such hard defense, fighting for rebounds, going for loose balls, old school tenacity. You know, that that's what they're bringing to the table right now. Well, I really hope. Well, I mean, besides the fact that Cleveland's up 2-1, these games have been great the past. All, oh, all the games have been amazing. This is a great finals. And it brings me up to another thing. You got this finals going on. You got the hockey finals. Mm-hmm. As a fan, you know, I watch the Capitals. Once the Capitals are out, I don't care about hockey anymore. And I'm sure you may be the same way. The NBA finals, your team goes out, but you're still intrigued by the finals because of who's in it in terms of LeBron. You have Steph Curry. And I feel like I'm thinking about, you know, still talking about the finals that in terms of what players are playing what makes you more intrigued. I feel like hockey, if you have a Crosby or an Ovechkin's in there, people may be more intrigued to watch those players. I'm sure, you know, no disrespect to the Blackhawks or Tampa Bay. I'm sure, respectfully, they have those good players. But, you know, Ovechkin and Crosby are players that are household names everywhere you go. So I feel like, you know, in terms of fan base, you know, even when your players, when your team is knocked out, depending on who's still in the finals will make you intrigued. Like, I'm sure if Atlanta had beaten the Cleveland Cavaliers, there wouldn't be that many fans watching it because, you know, who, who do you want to watch on Atlanta? There's like superstars. There's no superstar. Like that, yeah. I mean, all you're going to be watching is Seth Curry putting on a show probably against the Atlanta Hawks. And I'm pretty sure this series would have been 3-0. They had made it. But with LeBron there, it's like, oh my God, he's the best player. I want to watch it. It's like when last year when they played the Spurs, you want to watch that. When he played Oklahoma City, people want to see LeBron versus Durant. I mean, that was, you know, that was a big storyline. And like this one, you have Curry versus LeBron. So it's like, you know, your team may be out, you know, the Wizards are out, but I'm still intrigued because LeBron is there. Yeah. And that's why I think the big difference is between certain sports to where football, Super Bowl, everyone's going to watch Super Bowl. You had Brady, you had the Seahawks, you had Sherman. People, even if you're not a fan, you're going to watch it. Baseball, you know, could go the same way. Last year, you know, you had the Royals against the Giants. No one's going to watch the damn series because the Royals. I mean, who do they have? The Giants. You know, you have Buster Posey, you know, Madison Bargarner. But who do they really have that pe- that stand out to other people? Now, if you had like an Angels in there, Mike Trout's in the World Series. I want to watch this. You know, the Nationals. I want to see what Bryce Harper does in the Nationals. I think in terms of every single sport, you want to watch because of the players who are in it. Even in terms of soccer and the Champions League, you know, Messi's in it. I, a soccer fan, I want to watch Messi. I want to know what's he going to do now. So, I mean, Brad, you know, we're still talking about NBA Finals, of course, but in terms of fan base for different finals, how do you feel about that in terms of, you know, people watching the finals, even though your team's not in it? I'm sure as a Wizards fan, you're intrigued because of LeBron. Am I right? And versus Uh, Steph Curry? Oh, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, hockey is at a slight disadvantage because there isn't many household names, you know. Uh, Chicago has several great players, Patrick Kane, Kane, Taves. But they're not uh, household names where everyone would know. Ovechkin is someone that some people would know. Exactly. Ovechkin, people tune in to see his electricity. You know, they tune in to see what kind of, uh, you know, amazing speed or or hit or or goal he's going to score. And same thing for Crosby. You know, people, people look at, you know, look at him and say, hey, look, this, this guy's a blue collar guy and he just goes out and gives it. Uh, and, And they, they like to watch him and, you know, I don't think this is any different than than any other year. You know, if, if Jordan maybe wasn't in the finals and some other team was representing back in the day, I'm sure it wouldn't have drawn as big of a crowd. And, you know, so so that that definitely goes. But if we're comparing sports to sport, hockey is at a slight disadvantage in that sense. That series is great. Don't get me wrong. It's two to two right now in that yeah. series. Tampa Bay and Chicago having a great series. But I'm not Just, intriguing it. I'm not intrigued because it, exactly I, I like I, the Capitals and that's it. There's no one in that series that intrigues me. 
And I understand that fully. Yes, they are at a disadvantage in, in the NBA and, uh, you know, La Liga and and the NFL have, you know, have a lot more attention drawn to them because they have more household names. Yeah, I mean, if you get like a Champions League final where you have Ronaldo against Messi, you're going to have even the average soccer fan even watching that. You know, maybe even someone who's not a soccer fan that just, that you know that they've heard the name like, oh, Ronaldo, you know, he's that soccer player or yeah. Messi. You know, I've seen him before. He's that guy, you know, he does stuff between the lays and make people look retarded when they're playing soccer. Like okay. people know him, but the average hockey fan, you know, who doesn't watch it regularly, you be like, oh, you know, Patrick Kane's playing. Does he play for Tampa Bay or, you know, Blackhawks? Who does he play for? That's what you're going to hear. Sure. Yeah. I heard it. I heard it compared earlier today on another radio show, basically saying that there's, you have the inner bubble and the outer bubble where the inner bubble, you have your hardcore fans and they're always going to be following, mm-hmm. you know, the sport. Whereas the out, the, like the, the bigger bubble, the outer bubble is kind of like team based, the team based. And then just kind of like, you know, uh, bandwagon fans type of things. And, um, you know, that's the ones that I guess that's tough. And in particular, they were saying how hockey is, uh, like the, it's a little bit harder for the outer bubble type of hockey fans to actually feel like they're, they're, you know, they're real fans because like if they talk to like the inner bubble fans and they don't really know too much about the sport, then they kind of get like, you know, they don't feel like one of the, the, the main hardcore fans. So, I mean, it's in, in any other sport like baseball or, or football or, or even basketball, they're a little bit more, it's a little easier to be a, uh, the outer bubble type of fan. So golf can be said the same way a couple of years ago. I mean, the average golfing fan tiger's not in the, the weekend. You're going to tune golf off because you don't want to watch it. People like me and Brad, we want to watch it. We want to see even Tigers out. We want to see what Phil or some of them does. Yeah. But your average fan, you know, if Tigers not in the weekend, what the hell do I care? I want to see it to watch Tyler, Tiger. Even nowadays, you know, for the Masters, when he made the second, when he made the weekend, I'm sure more people tune in to see what Tiger was going to do in the weekend if he could do a magic. But now, because of people like Tiger, now McElroy, Fowler, Speed, those people are becoming household names. And now it's the same thing to where, you know, you're watching a major, it's like, uh, some random persons in the you know in the last group, and you're like, well, who the hell's that? You're like, I'm gonna tune out. I mean, McIlroy's you know five strokes back, or Speed this you know seven strokes. What, what's there to watch for? That means McIlroy, Mickelson aren't there. Why do I want to watch it? But unlike you know me and Brad, we'll continue to watch it. But it it's even goes for golf to where if the major name's not up there, your average fan's gonna tune out because he doesn't want to see it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, if you have like a Speed and a McIlroy in the final group. You're going to have a lot of fans. The average fan will even watch that because those are two of the hottest names in golf. But if you don't have that hot name in any sport, in any final, you're, you're going to lose views because people want to see that name. People want to see the Bryce Harper, the LeBron James, the Kevin Durant, McElroy, Tiger, Ovechkin, you know, Harper, Trout. They want to see those names. If they don't see them, they're going to tune out. And the same could be, you know, even for tennis. You don't see a Federer, Nadal, Djokovic. Why do you even want to watch it? And as an American, as an American tennis fan, if I don't see Serena Williams or, you know, well, we don't have any really American male tennis, but for a female, if you don't see Serena Williams, I'm going to tune out. I don't care. I don't care if anyone else wins. I mean, she just won her 20th French Open. Congrats to her, or not French Open, a um, tennis major. Congrats to her. But if I don't see an American in the final for either for her, because she's the only one that's decent now, I don't care about who wins. Yeah. I mean, that's the battle, though. That's the battle that all these advertisers and everything have been dealing with the sports. I mean, and they, they count, they kind of bank on these big players to, you know, help them out when, if, if they can make it through, but yeah, of course, you know, but I like, we were talking about with soccer and everything that there's not, there isn't like that kind of like, 
you know, superstar player right now that people can attach to and like follow them around. I mean, it, of course they have these players coming from overseas, but you know, Oh, in terms of MLS. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Clint, Clint Dempsey has got to be the best. Yeah. I mean. I mean, but, but the thing, the thing is though is I may disagree with you on that only because the, the true soccer fan here, you know, not the MLS fan, but the people who like around the world, mm-hmm. Kaka is probably one of the biggest draws here. When Beckham came, he was the biggest draw. Yeah. So more likely, yeah, Dempsey's a draw within Amer- the American fan base, but all these other fan, other you know, cultures that are here, they're gonna go to a game. They're gonna go to a game of when Kaka's in town. When um, you know, when Steven Gerrard gets over there, they're gonna go see him. Mm-hmm. Frank Lampard when he comes here, they're gonna go see them because they're household names everywhere. Yeah, and that's what they're doing, man. That's what they're they're trying. They're trying to expand this fan base for for MLS and for soccer by bringing those superstars in well, and it just and, and what i mean is it's it just takes someone who's who's been in the US who's kind of homegrown in the US to become this f- superstar to, for people to latch on and then i think it's just going to take off it's going to hit that next level um you know that it needs so yeah and i mean in terms of you know i mean that's pretty much what it goes i mean that's how you see it. i mean in terms of like UFC you know more people are starting to learn more about you know like Silva was back in the day you know John Jones or whatever he is now. Mm-hmm. But you have people in UFC that are also coming around like boxing. Unless Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao are in a fight, who the hell cares? Yeah. Unless you're a true boxing fan, I don't care. Like, I'm an average fan, and that was the first pay-per-view I ever bought yeah. was because of the names. So, I mean, we can go on this argument forever, but um, yeah. let's let's shift to just some recent news and sports, mm-hmm. and we're going to cut out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, American Pharaoh, congrats to Triple wow, Crown yeah. winner. I won some money on the ponies this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> um, was it 37 years since the last triple crown? Yep. Yep. That's crazy. Uh, in terms of U.S. soccer news, what a big week for U.S. soccer. Big week. First, last uh, Friday, the U.S. men's team came back to beat the Netherlands 4-3. Then they just capped that with a 2-1 to win over Germany. Germany. You know, I'm a whatever. We still have the stars in our jersey. <laughs> uh, the U.S. women's opened up with a win. On um, Monday in their match against Australia, three to one. I went to Hooters to watch the game, and we had a terrible storm. Of course, Hooters wants to have the crappiest TV ever in terms of cable <laughs> provider, and all the dishes went out. We missed the entire first half. <laughs> I went there to watch the game, and I missed the entire first half because all the dishes went out. That's hilarious. Um, and then also, the United States <laughs> under twenty team, the World Cup team, made it to the quarterfinals. They just beat Colombia one zero. So, what a what a great time for U.S. soccer. I mean, we're talking about them in there. They're rolling. I mean, wins against Netherlands and Germany will definitely get you some eyes. They got the gold cut coming up. And a lot of these young U.S. players are looking great. Uh, you got Morris. I mean, he's a college kid out of Stanford who's looking tremendous. Aguadelo's starting to look back to form when he was young. I mean, this it's a great time to be a U.S. soccer fan. I know Brad is all in on it when uh, America ever plays. Yeah, Bradley. Uh, Bradley's looked good. So um, I mean, It's great. I mean, I can't wait to see what they do during the World Cup, you know, the big thing in the World Cup is always when we play Mexico. Every time we yeah. play them, it's a big rivalry. You know, it, yeah. they love to bring it on. I love to bring it on. I love rep, I love repping my red, white, and blue when we play them every year, and we beat them. It's it's awesome. How many years has it been? I mean, that's what I want to find out. Let's see. From nineteen. Oh, I just had it. Anyway, but crap. Sorry. And Paul lost it. Uh, next week, though, with Brad, we're definitely going to talk about some Tiger Woods. The way he played in Memorial, I think I could have beaten him that day. Maybe. Possibly. Probably not, but still, we could have gotten close. 
It was ugly. Let's just leave it at that. It we'll talk. Ugly. We'll talk about that more next week. I mean, it was it was more of a score that Brad beats uh, Brad shoots on a normal basis, even probably better than a normal base. I mean, I try and do better than eighty five, but <laughs> I think we all do. Forty two I mean, years. Forty two years. It's been forty two years since the last triple crown. So good job to American Pharaoh. I think. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Whatever. You well, what's your prediction for the rest of the series, Shipe? Yeah. What series? NBA Finals. Oh yeah, we jumped ship because we started talking about other things. Um. 4-3 Golden State. I hope it goes seven games. As an NBA fan, I want it to go seven games. Okay. I got <laughs> I got Curry coming out tonight, continuing what he did the end of last game. I have him coming hot, and I just... See, I but, but here's the thing. They were down like 20. They had nothing to lose. You know, they were just in... You know, it... it there was no pressure because they had already lost the game. You know, they were just like, all right, let me just start jacking shots up there. And then once it started getting a little bit close, it was like, oh, holy crap. Like, this is a basketball game again. It's not just <laughs> shoot around. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. I think that he was kind of just playing with house money there because the game was virtually over. So, I, I, you know, because then they didn't they didn't close it off down the stretch. I mean, they they tied the game up. And once it became a basketball game again, uh, you know, Cleveland's doing a good job of slowing down the game. You know, making it so you don't get a lot of transition points. I, I, I mean, I, we'll see if you're right, Shay, but I don't know. I, <laughs> I hope. As an NBA fan, I hope. But the okay. thing is with me is those, those players on the Cleveland that are shooting the hell out the ball, helping LeBron, I don't think they're going to stay hot because you always see players like that get hot for one or two games, and then they slowly come back down to reality. That's very true. And that's <laughs> what I'm afraid of for LeBron is that he's getting all this help, but those players eventually are going to, hit their reality, and then it's back to LeBron against Golden State. So that's what scares me the most for LeBron is that he's making these players better, but I feel like sooner or later they're going to hit reality and something's going to happen. Well, how has it not been LeBron versus Golden State ever since Kyrie went out? I mean... Well, no, no, no. You know what I mean? As in the other people are helping him out and getting, you know, shooting the balls well. Come on. Shoot. Barely. Who? Hey, he's <laughs> the best player in the NBA He right is. Now? He is. But I'm saying with these other players, you know, some of them are putting up 20s. I think... I can't... Who was the one who put up that 20? That was one guy. That was... That was the last game. Delvin and I don't think up. he, I don't think he's going to do that again. Okay. Well, here's the thing, LeBron. I don't think he's going to keep shooting that bad either. This is some of the worst shooting he's ever done. So, I mean, you got, you could say the same, same argument about LeBron. Yeah. He's scoring a lot, but he's shooting a lot of shots and he's not hitting that many. We'll, we'll see. I think fatigue will set in on him as well. Oh, the best specimen of human <laughs> talent is going to, is going to get tired. This is, yes. That's ridiculous. I that's think ridiculous. so. It's, it hits everyone. Sooner or later, people get tired. Yeah, they, he didn't get. The How hit. do you know? You don't think so? Okay, he'll get tired. Maybe one game. They might slip up. Not not at home. They're gonna win tonight at home. They may slip up and 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 let the the game on the road. Game five, they'll lose, and then they'll win game six back at home. I got I got I got, I got four three. Uh, I got Cavs and six. You still got your pick there. You still got I it. I know. But I'm pretty sure you made that pick. <laughs> if you thought if you knew Kyrie and Love were out, would you have made that same pitch? I, I mean, this series would almost be over if Kyrie <laughs> was up playing. Like, no, no, I'm no saying, choice. I'm saying, if you knew when we did this that they were going to be out in the finals, would you have picked this? Would you have picked the same thing? Ah, uh, no. You, you wouldn't have been one of those people. Ooh, I would have. Hmm, hmm. I, I probably would have took Chicago. Well, the same thing could have been said where if we knew John Wall was going to be hurt during Atlanta, would that have been a different story when we were for picks? Well, I think we all picked Atlanta to win anyway. I believe. Well, I don't think anyone expected the Wizards to play as well as they did, uh, you know, because they just struggled kind of the the latter part of the the, the season, uh, you know. But people early in the season were like, you know, high up on the Wizards. Like, man, the Wizards look good. Looks like they're going to be the ones to contend against Cleveland. 
uh, you know, in the Eastern Conference Finals. And so early in the year, people were, you know, high up on the Wizards. And then we we, we kind of started struggling, uh, you know, and falling off. So I don't think anyone really expected Washington to play that well. So I think people were probably still picking them to lose against Atlanta going into uh, the playoffs, even with John Wall playing. Well, we'll see what develops with that in the NBA draft, which is coming up pretty soon once these finals are over. So we'll, you know, we'll talk about the draft too with the NBA. But uh, next week, like I said, we're going to get in some Tiger Woods talk. Uh, we'll talk some more football. You know, we're getting close to the season. Maybe start talking some fantasy, you know, thinking who we could maybe get some breakout players. We'll continue. As always, this summer, we're going to keep on the MLB talk, see if the Nationals can start turning around this little cold streak they're on. Uh, and we'll hopefully, maybe by next Thursday, we'll be talking about the uh, the finals being over with and maybe Cleveland the winner because obviously that would be the only way we'd be talking about that next Thursday. Uh, and we'll try to, you know, we'll recap the NHL. You know, that should be over with maybe by then. And then we'll also preview. Actually, you know what? I just now remember. We won't be here next Thursday. There will be no show next Thursday. Uh, I, me and Brad will be going to my bachelor party in Myrtle Beach. Uh, probably around this time next Thursday we'll probably be somewhere having a couple drinks maybe watching some US Open highlights so um, sorry to say guys but in two weeks then well actually because I'm going to be in uh, on vacation for the, the following two weeks <laughs> so we will be out for three weeks uh, two weeks um, we, we might be able to we might be able to finagle something but so sorry fans we're going to be out two weeks we got a couple people going out of town you know you know, we only have one producer, and I don't want to do anything without Paul because I don't want to touch his press equipment. So, in three weeks, we will be back. We will be discussing probably the NBA draft by then. We'll be reviewing the NBA finals. It'll be a little past, but we're still going to talk about it. NHL, uh, PGA Tour, uh, MLB. So, get ready for a big show when we return. It'll be our 21st show, you know, just 21, but it'll be a big show for our return show back. So, fans, you know, you're going to be trying to look for us two weeks. We're going to be out of commission. Stuff happens, you know, people do stuff, but, um, you know, just stay tuned. Wait for us. You know, if you got if you have time, go back, look at old shows. If you haven't listened to us, right. you know, get back going to what you if you missed any. Listen this is a good the chance. Podcasts. It's a good chance. But um, I'm gonna turn over to Paul yeah. for his speech. So right, so that these three weeks that uh, you might not be hearing us, you can go back and download all the pod, any of the episodes, all twenty if you'd like. Uh, you can hit the www shipesportstalk.com and from there you can link up with the iTunes uh, podcast and also the Stitcher podcast you can subscribe to them and download all of them and catch up if you've missed any of them you can send us emails at uh, shipesportstalk at gmail.com twitter at shipesportstalk um, Facebook, Shipe Sports Talk, pretty much everything Shipe Sports Talk. So hit us up on any of the on the social medias. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, I guess that's it. I think I hit everything, right? Yeah, uh, real quick, a um, little sad news for I'm a big wrestling fan. I still watch it. You know, I watch all the pay-per-views. I got the WWE Network, you know, $10 a month to get all the pay-per-views for free. I wish that was around when I was a kid. It would have saved me about 50 bucks a month. Yeah. But um, big, a little sad wrestling news. Uh, the American Dream, Dusty Rose, passed away at the age of 69. If a lot of people don't know, you know, he had the bionic elbow. He was big during, you know, like my dad's time and stuff. If you're a wrestling fan now, you know his kids who are in it now. You know, Gold Dust, which is Dustin Rhodes. Uh, his other son, Cody Rhodes, is now coming up in wrestling. He's called Stardust or some stupid crap he's doing now. <laughs> <laughs> they had like a tag team called the Rhodes Brothers. So our condolences to the Rhodes family. Right. Dusty Rhodes was a big legend. You know, he had a couple NWA championship belts. You know, he was very big in WWE. So, you know, he was a WWE Hall of Famer. 
And also, non-sports-related non entertainment news, Chris, Sir Christopher Lee passed away. For all you movie-goaders, he played Saruman in Lord of the Rings. He was also Count Dooku yes. in Star Wars. So, yeah, he was a very famous actor from England. So, a couple sad passings today. But, yeah, and um, also, uh, what's her name from The Golden Girls? <laughs> Did you guys hear about that? What? What's her name? Uh, Blanche. Did you guys ever see Golden Girls? Anyway. Mm, yeah. <laughs> she passed away, too. <laughs> it's a pretty bad day. Pretty sad day. That's three? That's three. I mean, the major sports one, though, I guess you would consider Dusty Dusty Rose, sports entertainment. But they always say it comes in three. That's your yeah, three. they come in three. Bang, bang, boom. Can't Justin Bieber be part of that? I can't believe we just said Golden Girls on this uh Sports, sports show. No, yeah. you said Golden Girls, not me and Brad. You, the producer, the producer. Everyone said Golden Girls, not the two hosts. The producer. So I'm just put that funny. out there. So too once funny. again, everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you to Coach Danny Miller for coming on. We really appreciate him coming on. We'll definitely get some more guests in here. Yeah. You know, let us know that if you liked him on the show. You know, of course, we loved him. Oh, you know, he killed it. He, he did killed awesome. it. He did great. You know, his insight into into high school sports was amazing. Yeah. You know, his analysis of sports in general were great. Him and Brad, you know, always, Brad's always great on the show. Yeah, you know, and not in studio today was uh, Guillermo. He had work. Uh, my father was uh, also had work tonight. He couldn't be with us for 20th show. They'll hopefully return in three weeks. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see you all in three weeks. Yeah. Me and Brad will be enjoying some uh, golf in Myrtle Beach, hopefully. Nice. We might surprise you with the show. If we'll we try. Can, if we can work it out. But uh, count on us for sure in three weeks. Yep. So everyone have a good evening. Take care. And for myself, Paul, Brad, and Coach Miller, have a good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see ya. See ya. Go U.S. Women's World Cup. Go Cavs. <laughs> go Nets. <laughs> Miller. And for Coach Miller, go O's. <laughs> and Paul. Paul likes those. <laughs>